Grace. Well, I am back again with another quizzing update that I can't wait to share with you guys. Will my quizzers please come forward? I know I've got one back in the media booth. So today we're going to be recognizing our quizzers for two tournaments. The first one that I'll cover with you guys is our state practice tournament that was in April. This tournament was hosted at the campgrounds in Tioga, and our quizzers had a great showing. Um, we have a few pictures from the tournament that we'll post, but um, our team placed second overall at this tournament. Joseph was fifth on the all-tournament team, Heston was fourth on the all-tournament team, and Noah was second on the all-tournament team. That's the first time that we've had that many quizzers on the all-tournament team. So they had a great day that day. This past weekend, uh, we traveled back to the campgrounds for our most fun tournament of the year, which is uh, it's what we call Bayou Blast. And this is a tournament that's hosted by the Louisiana District uh, Quiz Program. And it's an open invitational to any team in the country that wants to attend. So this year, we had 61 teams attend from as far west as Stockton, California to as far east as Augusta, Maine. Um, that is the biggest tournament of the year besides uh, nationals. So um, this tournament, there's a theme every year and everyone dresses according to the theme. And this year's theme was Americana. And uh, kids and coaches alike, we all dressed in our finest red, white, and blue, or our American-themed costumes, and uh, had a great time Friday night. Um, it's a night of fun and games, and we kind of show out for all of the uh, states that uh, come in. We have bold crawfish and gumbo and beignets, lots of um, you know just fun at the campgrounds. And Saturday is a day of quizzing, and it's a day full of quizzing from nine until the evening. And um, like I said, it's mostly fun, but the competition is always fierce. It's, the, it's some of the best competition that we've seen all year. And our team placed fifth overall at this tournament against some of our toughest competition. And Noah was on the all-tournament team for uh, this tournament as well. So as I say every time, we are so proud of these quizzers. They're continuing to put in so much hard work this year. At this point, they have all learned all of their material. Now, which yes, huge accomplishment, they are done learning verses. Now, they're spending all of their time perfecting those verses, making sure that every single word is exactly right. And they are memorizing even more information. They're memorizing one-time words, two-time words, geographical locations, people. It's endless, really. There's so many things that they're learning. So I just want to say again, thank you so much to our quizzers, our parents, for all your hard work and your sacrifice so far this year. Please continue to pray for us. We're in uh, the tail end of our season. It's a little bit harder to stay motivated at this point, but we have two tournaments left. We have state finals in June, and we have nationals in July. So hopefully you'll hear from us in June and July. But uh, if not, can't say how proud I am of everything they've done up to this point. So thank you, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, such a tremendous accomplishment that those young people have had. But I, but I kind of picked up on Bible quizzing, crawfish, gumbo, and beignets. That's, I'm all about that. Praise the Lord. It is good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for attending, Grace. 
We know that God loves you and is going to do a tremendous work in your life today. There are just a few announcements that I have for you this morning. May 9th, uh, Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And Sunday, May 14th, will be uh, Mother's Memorial Offering Deadline. So if you have an offering, please get it in by that time. Praise the Lord. I love the Lord this morning because he has been so good to me. But I also love the Lord because of who he is. If you never did another thing, God is still good. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, and let's worship the Lord this morning. God bless you.
Let us send up a shout of praise. Let us send up a shout of thanksgiving. Oh, has God been good to you today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's just take a moment in his presence and let those praises go up one more time. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What I love most about being in the presence of the Lord is that if we'll engage it, if we'll allow it, we will always leave changed, changed by the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful today that we don't have to leave the same way that we came, thanks to the power, the presence of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I do want to join with Brother Ben and just welcome everyone here on campus. So glad you're here. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you're glad to see them. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, so glad to have you part of the service today. Amen. So proud of all of our students. Um, told them a while ago in, um, in youth prayer, they're so faithful. Um, they, they have a heart for God, a passion for our church. And I'm so proud of each and every one of them. They're doing a tremendous job. They can't wait to get to youth camp. Um, Brother Eli has a, I've been telling this story a lot. Brother Eli has a countdown on his cell phone. He knows how many hours and how many seconds until senior camp starts. So they are fired up and ready for another great youth camp season. I love them. I'm proud of them. And today is the day we set aside on our church calendar to honor uh, the, the special, uh, the, each year the students that are graduating high school, if we have college graduates in a particular year also from college, this year we have two graduating from high school. And so we want to just pause this morning and, um, and just take a moment and honor them and let them know how proud we are of their accomplishment. I know their parents feel the same way. And uh, so this is, we're just going to take a couple of moments here and do that today. Amen. Amen. According to the most recent studies that I could find, there are seven there were 17 million students enrolled in high school for the 23-24 school term. Of those, there will be 3.3 million students graduating in North America from high school here just over the next couple of weeks. According to data from 2021, the high school graduation rate in this country is, I'm going to allow you a moment to fill in that number in your mind, what you think it might be. The high school graduation rate in our country as of 2021 is 85%, and that is an all-time high. Conversely, the high school dropout rate is only 6%. So graduates today, thank you for being part of the solution and getting your education. I'm glad that some, there's at least something here trending in the right direction. Amen. There's a very fascinating passage of Scripture uh, written, of course, by the wise man Solomon in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 13 and 12. He says this, Hope deferred. Everybody say hope deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So I find this very fascinating, very interesting, because I think it really describes a, a key element of human emotion. I think it describes a key component of our 
emotional structure. God has given humanity, human beings, the unique ability to pursue dreams and reach goals and experience the euphoria that comes with that achievement. Someone said famously, aim for the stars, reach high, dream big. If you're going to dream, dream big. And we've all experienced that unique feeling of dreaming big and accomplishing it. But we've also experienced that unique feeling that comes when a hope or a dream does not come to pass. I like the way the, the writer said it makes the heart sick. It's a heart sick feeling. For, for our graduates today, it's that heart sick feeling of waking up day after day for 13 years knowing today is not graduation day. It makes the heart sick, doesn't it? Have you ever experienced all the excitement that comes with planning a trip? You just, I mean, you've been planning it for months, looking forward to it, saved your money, got it all planned out, and then right before you leave for the trip, something happens out of your control and you can't take the trip. That's a, that's a hope deferred, a dream deferred. I've heard, it's thankfully very rare, but I've heard of people who thought they were going to graduate all right up to the last minute only to find out that one of their grades didn't go the, the right way and that they're not going to graduate after all. It's, a, it's a, sick, a heart-sick feeling, and it can crush the spirit. But when a hope is realized, when a dream is achieved, when a goal is gained, there's nothing quite like that feeling of accomplishment, that, that lifting of the spirits that, that we, we feel when we've achieved what we've set out to do. So for our graduates, it's that feeling of knowing you have obtained a high school education. You stuck with it day after day, and you saw it through to completion. And here you are today, just kind of with that, that, that feeling of achievement, that feeling of accomplishment. So I would submit to you today that God has given us that capacity to experience that, to set goals, to achieve them, and to enjoy the feeling that comes with achievement. And the reason I say that is God himself has experienced this very same feeling. He's done this very same thing. At the end of each creation day, God sat back and said, it is good. At the end of the six days, he sat back and said, it is very good. It was a Hope realized. It was an accomplishment. And God gave himself the space to say, you know what? I did pretty good. I'm real happy with the outcome of this situation. And so in our passage today, the Bible calls this fulfillment of a dream a tree of life. That is to say, in, in my interpretation, that when we achieve something like high school graduation or college graduation, it is life-giving. It is a tree of life. It stimulates growth. You know, a healthy tree never stops growing. It never stops producing fruit or bearing leaves, etc. And so when we achieve, when we reach a goal, set a goal, reach it, continue to stretch for more and reach higher, I believe that's a sign of a healthy life. And I believe we are fulfilling our God-giving capacity for growth and for being even more. So it's really a cycle. You achieve 
and it gives you the power and the motivation to achieve and to grow even more. Let me give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. I remember very, very distinctly, with great clarity, my last day of high school. I remember just thinking, when I submit this physics exam, this final exam in my physics class, when I hand that to the teacher, I am done. I'm out. It's over. My high school career will be at an end. I will never come back to this high school campus, <laughs> ever. It was the last time. And so for a while, you know, for the rest of the afternoon or whatever, I just kind of soaked in that feeling, that euphoria, really, the freedom that I was finished with high school. But in August of that year, I embarked on my college education. So see, you never stop growing. You never stop achieving. And so the point is simply this. Graduates, enjoy your moment. Today, throughout the rest of this month, there will be graduation parties and graduation ceremonies and all that. Enjoy the moment. Celebrate your accomplishment. Take a few moments and even a few days and soak in the, just what you have done. But very soon, very soon, start setting some new goals. Start dreaming some new dreams. Start thinking of some more things you can achieve. If you do that, you'll find that your life will be very fruitful. And you will bring glory to God because you will be living in His image and living in the space that He has created in you to be creative and to achieve goals. So God bless our graduates today. God bless our graduates today. So happy for them and excited for them. So today, as I've mentioned, we have two graduating high school, both graduating high school, and we want to honor them today. So graduates, when I call your name, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Pastor's going to greet you, and we're just going to give you a very special gift from Grace Church to let you know how much we appreciate you and how proud we are of you. So, Grace Church, let me introduce you to Miss Allison Montgomery. Allison is graduating from University View Academy, where she has been on the principal's A honor roll list. She is graduating. Well, hang on, that's not all. I mean, it is worthy of a hand clap, but just wait till I tell you everything because it's a lot. She will be graduating with a 4.2 GPA. Throughout her high school years, she was a member of BRYC, which is the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition. That's an after-school mentorship program, which offered her an opportunity to succeed in her studies while also serving her community. Allison was selected as a content editor for Liberty Magnet High School's newspaper called The Patriot, and she was also a member of the Thespian Society, where she performed, directed, and choreographed several major school productions. Allison also received her entrepreneurship credentials at University View Academy, and she plans to continue her experiences and skills at Louisiana State University this fall, where she will major in marketing. Way to go, Allison. And I do want to add, Allison has been and continues to be a tremendous leader among our students. She leads in prayer, worship, sets an example for others to follow. Several months ago, she spoke at a youth service on a Wednesday night and brought us all to an altar 
of prayer and consecration and commitment made an indelible impression upon our group. So we're very proud of you, Allison. Keep up the good work. Amen. And now, I'd like to bring to you the one, the only, the legend in the way of life, Mr. Owen Cooper. Owen Cooper. <laughs> he is a one of a kind. We love Owen Cooper so much. He's graduating from Live Oak High School with a 4.5 GPA. Owen was summa cum laude all four years of his high school career. He achieved a score of 34 on his ACT exam and was a Soaring Eagle senior best, voted as uh, senior best as class speaker. In addition to being Beta Club senior officer, Owen attended Louisiana Boys State as Federalist Party chairman, and he also received the Washita Most Outstanding Citizen Award. He's an AP scholar with distinction, taking 14 AP classes over the course of his high school career. Owen was an information technology intern and was voted most talented by his peers. Owen is going to be going to LSU, Louisiana State University, in the fall studying biology. Way to go, Owen Cooper. And I would like to add that Owen has also blessed our youth group with an amazing message here a while back on a Wednesday night. And then just two weeks ago, Fair and I were privileged to attend the uh, Beta Club induction ceremony at Live Oak High School, not knowing that Owen was the senior club, uh, senior Beta Club officer. And he gave a tremendous speech to open that meeting, challenging those Beta Club members to be their best, to do more, uh, to give back. And it was such a well-composed and well-delivered speech. I've heard, I've heard professionals not do as good a job as Owen did on that speech. It was tremendous. We were blown away. So we're proud of Owen as well. Let's give them both another hand. If you Amen. That's right. That's right. Remain standing with me just a moment. I'm going to ask you to stretch your hands their way, and I'm going to do the same. Let's just pray a covering over them that God would lead them and guide them in their future endeavors. Jesus, I thank you for Grace Church students. And, Lord, today especially we highlight Allison and Owen. Thank you for the accomplishments, Lord, the way they've represented you, their families, and their church so well. And, God, today we pray a covering over them. I pray a hedge around them, Lord, that every step would be ordered in your word. Lord, prosper them, lead them, and guide them in their careers, in their further education. But more than anything, God, in the kingdom of the living God, raise them up as leaders in your kingdom, Lord, that they would propel the gospel, propel your kingdom forward, and be a part of the great revival and the great work you are doing in this last day. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and Allison, the church is behind you. We're with you. Go with God and be blessed.
has a choir singing with us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, God.
moment what a beautiful atmosphere thank you for your love Jesus God I thank you that there's no shadow you won't light up no mountain you won't climb up coming after me oh thank you Jesus thank you Jesus are you thankful for the love of God we wouldn't be here without it we couldn't stand in this beautiful moment without the mercy and grace of God thank you Jesus as you return to your seat to say again how glad we are to see everyone here and thank you praise team for once again leading us into the presence of God amen do you feel the Holy Ghost today do you feel the presence of God just have this feeling that God wants to do something among us today pastor calls it the manifestation of the presence of God I feel that today God wants to manifest himself in a very real way in your life and in my life and if we'll stay attentive to what God is speaking. I believe he will do that before we leave here today. Amen. Amen. I do want to say it's good to see Daniel and Dara and their family here today. I know y'all have been through some family difficulty the last few weeks, but God has 
moved and worked and done a great thing. And we're just glad to see y'all in church today. Glad you're here. Thankful for what God's doing in your family. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the Word of God today, Psalm chapter 80. And as you're turning there, how about that service Wednesday night? Wasn't that amazing? And uh, Pastor, thank you for that word. That was amazing word of God. In fact, I told him after church, I said, why don't you just preach that again Sunday morning? I could do hearing that again. Amen. 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 That's right. And then um, pastor kept saying, said, this is the most unusual service I believe I've ever been a part of. And I, I think that's okay. We can throw out the script and the schedule sometimes and just do something different and see what God has for us. I I think that's all right. Amen. Amen. And then, so of course, Pastor preached about being what it means to be Pentecostal. And a big part of that is our worship, our demonstrative worship, how we engage with the presence of God. And so after church, I was just walking around being friendly, talking to people, wasn't asking for a, 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 a rebuke. And uh, said hi to Sister Diane. That's all I did was say hello. And she said, Brother Dave, she said, why don't you stop doing that hop you do on the platform and start running the aisles? There's a response to that, but I refrained from giving it, being the gentleman that I am. So now I don't know whether I should be self-conscious of my Holy Ghost hop or if I should get out in the aisles and run and obey my elder. But when the Spirit moves and I run, you're going to know. He's worshiping God, but He's also obeying the elder. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was a marvelous service Wednesday night. We had a good time, as you can tell. Don't miss Wednesday night. That's the moral of the story right there. Psalm chapter 80, I'll read three verses in your hearing, one through three. This, if, you, if you're looking in your Bible, you may have, it may show, this is a psalm of Asaph. Not all the psalms in the, in the book are of David. Many of them are, but not all. This one happens to be a psalm of Asaph. And he says this, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, Stir up thy strength and come and save us. You're getting the idea this is a petition. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. What a prayer. What a psalm. What a reading. I'd like to, to use this as a foundation today, as a text to preach this title, Led by the shepherd, led by the shepherd. I would certainly like to dedicate this today to our graduates, but uh, today the word of, of the Lord is for everyone, including the very young man standing in the pulpit. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Let's pray over the word and then you can be seated. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It will not return void, Lord, and I am here today to be challenged by what you would say. I want to leave changed by what you would say. And I pray, God, today you would anoint and equip us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Led by the shepherd. 
there is a tremendous difference between a wise man and a wise guy. Can I get a good nod? I don't think it was a very wise man who made the statement that I'm about to share. I think it was probably a wise guy. But either way, someone said, probably a wise guy, if you want to be a leader with a large following, just obey the speed limit on a winding two-lane road. Boy, if only leadership were that easy. Amen, right? how you could be a leader with a large following. But there are a lot of people who think they are leaders in this world. They may think they have a large following, but I'm not sure exactly where they're going and what they're trying to accomplish. These days, we often call them influencers. That's the new word, social media influencers. And in that, we are correct. They are influencers. Sometimes for good, but more often for bad. In 2023, there are an enormous and overwhelming number of influences and voices calling out to us. We are given countless, I would say infinite choices and paths to choose. At best, it's overwhelming, and at worst, it's crippling. I read here a while back that the The greatest technological breakthrough in terms of manipulating consumer behavior is when they figured out endless scrolling. You know, on your social media feed, it never ends. As long as you keep scrolling, they'll keep giving you content. Amazon, hello. As long as you want to scroll, they'll keep giving you ideas of things you can buy. And if you like weed eater string, Maybe you'd like a refrigerator. I don't know, whatever those algorithms are. But it's endless, is it not? It never, there is no stopping point. They're going to make sure you have content to peruse. It is truly endless. I'll say it this way. There are too many voices and too many choices. It is overwhelming. We need, what we need is a leader, a guide. An absolute that will orient us to true north. So today, here's some advice for you that you may have never heard before. If you want to successfully navigate all those voices and all those choices that come at us on a daily basis, paths we could choose, directions we could go, things we could do with our life, the best advice I could give you is follow a shepherd. Follow a shepherd. It turns out that shepherds make great leaders. Shepherds understand how to navigate successfully a flock from point A to point B. Consider with me that many of the greatest leaders in the Bible that God used, primarily the Old Testament, were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David a slightly lesser-known prophet by the name of Amos, were all shepherds. It's like God took their leadership skills as shepherds and translated that and transferred that into leading in, in the kingdom of God. But of course, for us today, there's really only one shepherd of Israel. 
And he is that true shepherd. And he is the one that can lead us safely. He can help us navigate all of the influences and the influencers and voices in this life. I just want to remind somebody today, this shepherd, the great shepherd of Israel, is the one that knows the beginning from the end. He knew all of your days before they even came to be. He sang over you as they just sang to us. He knows the plans He has for you. His name is Jesus, and He wants to lead you and be your shepherd and guide you on paths of righteousness all the days of your life. I'm thankful for the shepherd of Israel. Asaph was a very important tabernacle musician during the reign of King David. Along with several others, he was appointed very specifically to sound brass cymbals during the ceremony in which the ark was brought back to the tabernacle. Asaph knew something about praise, and he knew something about worship, and he knew something about responding to the presence of God uh, with worship and in that way. And the scripture says that King David appointed Asaph, quote, by uh, appointed him to give constant praise and thanks to the Lord God of Israel, end quote. So if King David, the worshiper of all worshipers of God's presence, appointed Asaph to be the worship leader, then it follows that Asaph knew something about praise and worship and being in the presence of God himself. Asaph established a musician's guild, as it were. We might would call it a collective or even a band, and it was just simply called the Sons of Asaph. I was thinking maybe that's a good name for the JV band, Sons of Asaph, but we'd have to call it the Sons and Daughter of Asaph, right? But Asaph knew how to get God's attention. He knew something about the presence of God and worship. And we think often, when we think of the book of Psalms, the first thing that comes to mind is is the praise and the worship. And of course, I've just mentioned uh, Asaph's skill along that line. But actually, if you look, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of the Psalms that make up the Psalter is comprised of Psalms of lament and petition. That's interesting, isn't it? There's plenty of praise and worship, yes, but the majority is lament and petition. And here, Asaph is lifting up a petition, a prayer, a cry for help to God. Apparently, given the mention of very specific tribes, Benjamin, Manasseh, Ephraim, he's apparently lamenting years prior when the northern kingdom was invaded by the Syrians, 732 B.C. And in referring back to that event with with lament, he's calling on God to remember the situation and the plea in the current circumstance, whatever that was. He's calling on God for help, thinking back to past times when Israel needed God's help. Basically saying, God, we we plead, our plea with you and for you is to come and lead us once again from our distress, to turn once again and save us out of the plight that we have. And it's a, you feel the desperation, you hear the cry of the voice, and to me, it's the, it's the prayer of someone who has no other plan. 
There is no other solution at this point. If God doesn't step in, there is no answer. And so he writes, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Come and save us. Stir up your strength and come and save us. He's saying, God, you alone are our strength. You alone are our hope. And if you don't come and save us, there is no other solution. I'm not ashamed to stand here and tell you today, the shepherd of Israel is my only hope. I have no other plan. I have no plan B. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strategic enough. I can't figure it out on my own. My hope is in the shepherd of Israel to lead me. Oh, I won't make it without his help. My family can't make it without his help. But if the shepherd of Israel will lead, then everything's going to be all right. I've got to get safely from point A to point B. So all of my hope, all of my trust is in the leadership of my great shepherd. Lead, O shepherd of Israel, and we will follow. He is that shepherd. The primary role of a shepherd, of course, is to care for the sheep, to care for the flock. It means making sure that they have adequate pasture land for food and clean, clear water to drink. It means protecting and defending the flock from threats, from animal, wild animals and thieves, dangerous terrain and the elements. So concerned is the shepherd regarding the safety and well-being of his flock that he will give his life. And I'm talking about in the natural. A shepherd would give his life. To save the flock. That's the, that's the dedication and the commitment that he has to protecting the flock from whatever the threat is. Give his life. By this characteristic, we then know who our great shepherd of Israel is. He has an identity. He has a name. And we know who he is. We know it's Jesus Christ because he's the only one that gave his life for all. In identifying himself As the good shepherd, Jesus said that very thing in John chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ is that great shepherd. The writer of Hebrews concurred in Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work. Jesus is the shepherd of Israel. The apostle Peter also identified him as the shepherd in 1 Peter 2. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I'm thankful today that Jesus is the shepherd. And you know, I got to thinking about it. This is really good one God preaching right here. If the Old Testament identifies God as the shepherd and the New Testament identifies Jesus as the shepherd and there can only be one shepherd then that tells me that the shepherd of Israel is God Almighty and Jesus is his name. Oh hallelujah. I'm glad to be in a dispensation where we know the name of our shepherd. Oh hallelujah. It's not Yahweh. It's not Jehovah. Those names pointed to him but we know him as Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our Savior, our Messiah. Lead me, Jesus. Lead me. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today that Jesus Christ is our shepherd of our souls to lead us through all 
of the chaos and all of those voices and all of that culture. It says he leads us like a flock. That would make sense, right? A shepherd would lead like a flock. The story is told of a group of tourists in Israel, modern day, who had been informed by their Israeli tour guide that or after observing a flock and their shepherd, they, they were just you know riding around seeing the flock, seeing the shepherd and all that. And the tour guide told them, said, the shepherd always leads in front of the flock. He said they never drive from behind the flock. They always lead out in front. Short time later, the group drove past another flock of sheep and noticed that in this case, the shepherd was in fact walking behind the flock. So, of course, they called this to the tour guide's attention, and he said, well, let me find out. So he stopped the bus and jumped off and went and had a word with the shepherd. As he boarded the bus, he had a sheepish grin on his face and announced to his eager listeners, that was not a shepherd, that was the butcher (laughs) leading the sheep to market. Asaph said, he leads us like a flock. Jesus leads us like a flock. Our shepherd, Jesus Christ, doesn't drive us. He doesn't bully us. He's not leading us to the slaughter. He leads us like a shepherd. And here's the thing. If we were not led as a flock by the shepherd, there would be no hope for us in and of ourselves. Ezekiel said it this way in 34. He said they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became meat to the beast of the field when they were scattered. Zechariah had a similar idea. He said, for the idols have spoken vanity, the diviners have seen a lie, chased false dreams, comforted in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because they had no shepherd. Bad things happen when the flock has no shepherd. Isaiah put it most potently And prophetically, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have all gone astray. We've turned away. With no shepherd, we are lost and undone to face the consequences of sin, unable to save ourselves. Unable to take ourselves out of danger, unable to provide any sort of uh, rescue or safety for ourselves. But the shepherd, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, that when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved. I'm thankful today that the shepherd leads us with mercy and grace. He didn't leave me the way that he found me. Oh, hallelujah. But he provided himself a ransom for many. Oh, this shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the flock. The, the, the writer said, Asaph said, he dwells between the wings of the cherubim. That's the mercy seat. That's the mercy seat. On that Ark of Covenant, those cherubim's wings, the, the wings of the cherubim would touch. And, in, and right underneath was the mercy seat. And he's saying here that that is the inhabitation of God himself. You can say it this way. He lives in mercy. 
God, that's his dwelling place is in mercy. And that's why we can say with assurance, his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm thankful today for the shepherd that leads us with grace and mercy. Uh, I, I couldn't help but think about the, the great hymn writer of the 19th century. He got it right when he said, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, whatever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. By his own hand, he leadeth me. His faithful follower, I would be, for by his hand, he leadeth me. I'm thankful today that the shepherd of Israel leads us like a flock. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands to Jesus. Perhaps Psalm 23 gives us the best insight into the leadership of the shepherd and what it means to be led of the shepherd. This, of course, is a psalm of David, probably the most well-known psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means I shall not lack. I shall have want of nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In considering this amazing psalm, extolling the attributes of the great shepherd, it occurs to me that it answers the five W's. It provides clear answers to the five W's. Do you know what the five, has anybody ever heard of the five W's? That's right, amen. We got an amen corner right here, thank you. Journalists, investigators, Anybody wanting to find out more about whatever subject they are studying or looking into, ask the five W's. What, where, when, why, and who. I left off, I forgot, I was supposed to start with who, but that's it. Yeah. There you go, thank you. So this psalm very succinctly, very succinctly and very carefully lays out the answers to those five questions. Who? The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. We just established that that is Jesus Christ. What? Well, it's our topic today. He's my shepherd. But here's where it really, I really like to dive in. When will he be our shepherd? All the days of my life. Now you think about that for a minute. Not, he's a shepherd that leads us not just when times are good. He's not a shepherd that just wishes you good luck and then bails out when times get bad. No, his word says he will never leave and he will never forsake. From beginning to end, good times and bad, good days and bad, he is a shepherd that will lead faithfully all the days of your life. Who, what, when, where? Where does this great shepherd lead us? Well, 
He leads us in green pastures, still waters, and paths of righteousness. I'm going to give myself a little credit. I came up with this. He wants to, I'll say, no, I, reverse. I didn't say that. Just forget. I didn't say that. Reverse. God inspired me with this. He wants to take you from stressful to restful. That's pretty good, huh? He wants to take you from stressful to restful. Green pastures, still waters, paths of righteousness. Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the rest and the refreshing. We've all experienced times where we're turned inside out and life is bearing down on us. It's hard. It's stressful. Things seem out of control. But we serve a shepherd today. There's a shepherd leading us and guiding us that wants to take us from stressful to restful. It doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to take all of our problems away. But it does mean that we can find a place of rest in him. If we allow his spirit to flow, allow his spirit to move, he is the rest. He is the refreshing wherein the weary shall rest. Thank God for that shepherd. But the answer to the where is not just green pastures, fields of righteousness, green fields. It's also the valley of the shadow of death. I want to encourage somebody today, even when it's dark. Even when it's not green pastures and still waters, you have a shepherd that is still leading you through the valley of the shadow of death, through the valley of shadow of dilemma, of un- unanswerable questions, of a of, 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 of dilemma where it seems there's no way out. You have a shepherd that stays with you and leads you even in those times. So the where is not just on the on the good days and the good times, but also in the hard times, our shepherd. So that's the who, what, when, and where. Now let's talk about the why. Have you ever asked yourself, why is God such a good shepherd? Why does he lead us like he does? Why is he to us who he says he is and what he is? Well, Psalms 23 gives us the answer. I'm glad you asked the question. For his name's sake. This is a very powerful promise and a very powerful premise. Yes, he is good to his flock. It gives him great pleasure to do good things for us. He has promised us life more abundantly. He's promised blessing. He loves to do all those things. But I'm convinced today that that is not the primary reason he does those things and that he leads us like he leads us. I believe he does it. For his name's sake. It's his name that's on the line. It's his reputation that's on the line. He had, can I say it this way? He has a reputation to live up to. Consider what he said about his name. In my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall tread on serpents and scorpions. You shall lay hands on the sick. You shall speak with new tongue. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given to my name. He said, neither is there salvation 
in any other name. That's a lot riding on one name. So when you invoke the name of Jesus, he has no choice but to step in and fulfill the promise that he gave. He's got a reputation on the line. It's his name that he's got to uphold. He has to do what he said he would do. So I would just encourage somebody today, go ahead and call the name of Jesus over your family. Go ahead and call the name of Jesus over your situation. Go ahead and call the name of Jesus over your life and over your situation. He has an obligation to do what he said he would do. He leads us for the sake of his name. Oh, I wish somebody would just shout that name with me today. That's just the kind of shepherd he is. I'm thankful for the name today. He's a good shepherd, and he leads us like a flock. Each village in Palestine had a common, what is called a sheepfold. You read about this in Scripture, sheepfold. Do you do you know what a sheepfold is? Could you honestly say, I know all about sheepfolds and how they work? Well, prior to studying for this message, I couldn't have told you either. We're not an agrarian society, are we? But they, So the sheepfold was just simply this. It was a roofless enclosure of rough stones with 10 to 12 foot high walls. So kind of like a fort, really. But no roof and just one door, doorway in. This is the thing. It was built for the protection of the sheep. Here's what they would do. Every night, multiple shepherds, multiple shepherds would lead their sheep to the sheepfold for the night. Because if they spent the night in the sheepfold, they would have the protection, of course, of the walls. But it was a mingling of all of the flock. It wasn't just one shepherd that used the sheepfold. All the shepherds used the sheepfold. So the next morning when the, when the shepherd came to collect the sheep that were his and go back out to pasture, out to, to graze, he would call his sheep by name. Yes, the shepherds would name their sheep, and yes, the sheep knew the sound of their shepherd's voice. The sheep would only follow their shepherd, again, known by his voice. They would not follow another shepherd with a strange voice that they did not know. And they would come and, and they would recognize, they would follow the voice they recognize, his voice and his voice alone. So that's what Jesus was talking about when he said in John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, when, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow them, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. So we have Jesus, our great shepherd of Israel, who leads us like a flock. But in order to be led by this shepherd, this great shepherd of Israel, we must know and obey his voice. The original language here in this passage that I just read to you it, the connotation and the indication is a knowledge of his voice, a knowing of his voice in the sense of experiential knowledge 
It's a knowledge that only comes from an intimacy and a communion and having experience with the shepherd. It's an ability to discern the shepherd's voices above all other voices and follow him because you have honed that skill from intimacy, from spending time with, from experiencing all that the shepherd has to offer. It is imperative that we know the shepherd's voice. In 2023, I led with, there's many voices, there's many choices. It is imperative that we know his voice, his voice. It's very easy to follow other voices, other paths, and they, they all end in dead end and shipwreck and destruction. Only our shepherd has the path of life, and we must hear his voice. There's a tremendously inspiring story about a guy by the name of Brian Bushway. Brian is an avid mountain biker. He's an avid mountain biker. Known for some of his uh, experiences in that hobby. It's interesting, though, that he's a mountain biker because he cannot drive a car, nor can he recognize colors. In fact, Brian is blind. At age 14, he was not born blind. At age 14, Brian experienced something called optic nerve atrophy, and it left him 100% completely blind. One day, he met a man by the name of Dan Kish, an expert in something called echolocation. Echolocation. And that changed Brian's life forever. Echolocation is a navigational technique used by people to perceive objects through the reflection of sound waves. Kish himself was blind since birth, and he taught Brian to just click his tongue, click his tongue, and gauge the echo, the feedback that he got, and he could judge objects and maneuver as he chose. Using those echoes, using echolocation, Brian has honed his skills to the point where he can recognize everything from plexiglass to playing cards. And as I said, he is able to enjoy his passion of mountain biking, even though he cannot see. He has trained his sense of hearing to discern between various echoes and choose the appropriate route. The only way we can follow the shepherd is to tune our ear to his voice and follow where he is leading. I said earlier, mentioned there are many choices and many voices. There's an old Puritan saying that puts it like this. There is a way to hell that goes very near the gates of heaven. And there is a way to heaven that goes very near the gates of hell. What does that mean? Simply this. The road of life, the journey to eternal destiny, is a whole lot more than we can navigate on our own. In fact, the wise man said in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the ways of death. So I can't trust my direction. I can't trust some kind of internal carnal GPS. I can't trust some kind of internal compass that I fashioned after my own making. I have to be led by the voice of the shepherd. The road goes way too close to hell. The road doesn't 
take me. It's not as clear as I think it ought to be. I have to have the guidance and the leadership of the shepherd to get me from here to there. I can't trust my eternity with anything else. I don't. I, there's a story out of the out of the flood, 2016. I don't believe I've ever told it, and it's so applicable here. The flood, 2016, as you remember, it, 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 it came in on us late on a Friday afternoon, kind of all night Friday and into Saturday that year. And um, once Friday afternoon, once it became very clear what was happening and that our house was going to take on lots of water, um, at that time Dawson was being treated at St. Jude and had appointments that Monday and Tuesday following. So he said, Farah. We'll go to Memphis. She's just going to leave out for Memphis right now. Just go now with Dawson. And Elena and I would stay and go down with the ship. <laughs> not, not, we didn't stay at the house, but stay in the area and see what goes on. So Elena and I went to my mom's house. She was also in Denham, but on higher ground. And Elena, I mean, uh, Farrah and Dawson went to Memphis. And, of course, that happened Friday afternoon by Friday night. I mean, it, it was all happening at that point in terms of the flood. Saturday morning, sometime around mid-morning, I got to thinking. It's like, you know, there, the house is underwater. We know that. Probably won't be able to get back to the house for days. There's really no point in staying around. If I could get out, if, if Elaine and I could find a route out, we'll just go to Memphis and spend a couple days up there with Farron Dawson, and then when the water recedes, come back here. I mean, there's three or four days here at least that there's nothing I can do about the flood. So, you know, they're, they're all, it was all still happening. It was all still in real time. There was limited information coming in, but there was some information. I got, gathered up what I could, made a decision. So Lane and I, we, we packed up, and at that time our, we, were in the, we had a little car we were in, low to the ground, and uh, we jumped in that thing, uh, went out Jubin Road, and got on the interstate going east. And what I did not know, again, limited information, when I, it was either the Livingston exit or the Holden exit, I think it was Holden, traffic came to an absolute stop. I'm not talking about stop and go traffic. I'm talking it was stop. Nobody going forward, nobody going backward. And so I got on my phone and was trying to get more information, trying to figure out what was going on. And it became apparent to me, what I was able to figure out is all that area was also flooding, consuming the roads. And whether or not they'd shut down the interstate at that point, I don't know, but there was nowhere for anybody to go. I mean, the, the traffic was stopped, and we weren't going to be moving forward in any time in the appreciable future. And so I began... If I'm honest, I was kind of suppressing some feelings of panic. Had I been by myself, that would have been one thing. Elena was a very, very small girl at the time. I was, began to worry about being stuck out on the interstate for hours, maybe days. Uh, worried about her. You know, I didn't know at what point anarchy was going to ensue out there on the interstate with all those crazy people. I didn't say crazy Livingston Parish people. I just said crazy people. <laughs> Amen. We were living in there at the time, Livingston Parish. And so I thought, you know what? 
is there a way to get back? And, and, and I knew, I could tell from what I was able to discern that the window of opportunity to go back was closing very quickly. And uh, a decision would have to be made one way or the other. We were either going to have to sit out there on the interstate or maybe get back home, maybe, if we hurry. And so what I did, true story, true story. Um, Brother Billy wasn't there to arrest me and give me a traffic ticket, so it worked out. But I eased my way over onto the shoulder of the interstate, and the, the merge ramp was coming down here to merge on the interstate. So I got up by it, and I just put that car in reverse and reversed my way up the merge ramp, turned, went over the overpass, and back west on the interstate. Interesting aside, it's not part, really part of the story, but when I did that, I looked in the rearview mirror, and I had like 12 other people doing the same thing. I was like the guy on the two-lane road with a large following. It was like they just needed permission to do it, and several people did the same thing. We went through some, some standing water. I was praying that that car would get through the standing water. Got back to Jubin Lane and into my mom's apartment. And within probably less than an hour, Jubin Lane was under underwater. And we that, that, the, the window was that tight. It was that close. And I'm thankful today for God's hand and, and helping us there. But, but this is the point. I like to look back. I think about that story often. And I like to look back on that. And I think, you know, that was an educated decision. I took all of the information that I had, processed it, and made the best decision I could at the time. That's being very generous to myself and being very kind to myself. Really what it was, and here's my point, really what that was was a gamble. I was gambling. Either, you know, either way, the two choices are tough. But I'm gambling that I will be able to get back to safety and get off of this road before the waters uh, uh, flood in and we can't go back and there is no choice. It was a gamble. Thankfully, it worked out okay. But this is the thing. So many people make that same gamble with their life and with their souls. They're not on any kind of path that is leading them forward. There is no appreciable way to succeed and go forward into a, a, a profitable and productive relationship with God. And so they're gambling with their life. They're gambling that it's going to all work out in the end. They're gambling that it's all going to work out with their soul. We can't afford to make that kind of gamble with our soul or with our life. We have to tune our ear to the voice of the shepherd and say, lead me, O shepherd of Israel. My life would be a dead end without your voice. And Lord, if I don't obey what you're telling me, it would be a dead end. Lead me, O shepherd of Israel. Stand with me if you will. Jesus, of course, gives the great parable in Luke 15 parable of the lost sheep and he says the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 has a hundred sheep one is going astray one is lost and he'll leave the 90 and 9 to go for that one sheep I came across some interesting material in my study there are some who say that that is absolutely absurd, absolutely insane. No shepherd would leave 90 and 9 good sheep, whatever you want to put in that blank, you know, the, the fold, the flock, and put them in danger without supervision 
to go after the one. That that is not good shepherding practice. Shepherds just don't do that. But I submit to you today that is exactly the point that Jesus was making. I would submit to you today, you don't know my shepherd like I know my shepherd. And this great shepherd, the one that has offered to lead us like a flock if we'll follow him, he is still searching for the lost sheep. He is still looking for the one that is in despair, the one that is sin sick, or the one that is lost for whatever reason, the one that cannot save itself, the one that is in danger, the one that's in dilemma. He's still leaving 90 and 9 to go for one. He's leaving to go for one. And you know what? They said it at men's conference. We put a big premium on numbers and how many got the Holy Ghost and how many were saved. But Jesus went on to say, the angels rejoice when one is found. All he needs is one, and he's very happy about that. Oh, I'm preaching to you today about a shepherd who will reach to the uttermost, who will go beyond the 90 and 9 to find the one. Oh, the reckless, loving, everlasting power and love of God to leave the 90 and 9 and go and find the one. So wherever you find yourself today, whatever it is, if you're needing to hear the shepherd's voice again. Maybe you need direction. Maybe you're just in in a, in a situation and you need direction. The shepherd's voice is calling, even if you're just that one. If you need to be found of the shepherd today in the sense of salvation, being filled with the spirit baptized in his name, he's still reaching for just one. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you just need to to reorient and attune your voice again, maybe you've been distracted by some other voices and you say, God, I repent of following those voices. I want to follow the true voice. That voice is still sounding today. He's still calling for you and reaching for you. So Grace Church, I'm going to give you an opportunity again today to come down to these altars and to and to, to reestablish a relationship with the shepherd, to, to listen again to the voice of the shepherd. Oh, would you come? Would you come? I give you Jesus today. I give you the shepherd of Israel today. I give you the one that wants to lead you like a shepherd leads his flock. Oh, come, would you, Grace Church? That's it. All over the all over the room, they're coming. All over the room, they're coming. Come and hear the voice of the shepherd. Come on, we've got time today. We've got a few more minutes. Let's just talk to the Lord, would you? Graduate students, listen to the voice of the shepherd in Jesus' name. I've seen the faithfulness of God still inside the soul.
That's it. God's talking. God's speaking. Come on, the presence of God is moving right now. Come on, find somebody to pray with if you would. There's students here that need to hear God's voice in their life. There's somebody here today. Their only hope is to hear from God again today. Come on, would you pray? If that's you, we're here to pray with you. But but if not, would you pray for somebody? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Come on. Lead me, Lord. I'll follow anywhere. You open up the door. Come on, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Uh, last couple Sundays, there's been people receive the Holy Ghost in an atmosphere just like this. You can receive the Holy Ghost today. You can receive the Holy Ghost today. Come on, don't give up. Don't give up. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good job. 